0: This is Ian Sattler, Senior Story Editor at DCU. Hi, this is Lindsay DiFilibis.
1: And Christine
2: O'Air. Hi, this is Kevin Vander. Hi, this is Mayo. Hi, this is Brian Ezra.
0: Hi, this is Matt Wagner, author of
2: Batman and the Monster Man and Batman and the Mad Monk. Hey, this is Mike Martz, Batman Group Editor.
0: Hey, this is Ethan Van Skybro.
2: My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. And this is Robert
3: Greenberger. This is Jerry Robinson. Hey, this is uh, Will Percaccio. This is Adam Beechon,
0: and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast.
3: Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 50. I'm your host Dustin and today we have with us...
1: This is Zach. This is Don.
3: And we are bringing you the latest comic news from the past two weeks as well as your comic reviews from the past two weeks. And this is episode 50. Can you believe it? That we've actually had 50 episodes. Pretty soon this podcast is going to be surpassing the normal cast with episodes just because this one has to be more frequent just because we've got so many comics to cover and you fall behind one week and you're picking it up weeks and weeks for a while needless to say it's been 50 episodes and we're still going strong with the comic cast Let's get into comic news. The very first thing we've got is on August 23rd, Comic Book Resources posted up an interview with Tony Daniel. Now, as we know, Daniel was currently taking care of the art in the two-part story by Grant Morrison, fleshing out some of the details that were left as a mystery after Batman R.I.P. In November, Daniel will begin assuming the writer role on Batman again. So we've got a couple little points to go over, so Don will read for Comic Book Resources, and Zach will read for Tony Daniel.
1: For your next look at Batman, is there another mission statement, mystery, or overarching theme that you've hit lit upon that you want to explore through the Batman mythos? What characters are you focusing on in your book, considering all that's going to be on the table?
0: My next arc will flesh out my Batman. He'll really be putting his detective skills to the test this time as he goes up against a new evil that has planted itself into Gotham City. Though I will have him less reliant on his network this time around, he will still have interactions with the likes of Selina Kyle and her new protege Katrina, a.k.a. Catgirl.
1: You briefly promised in your DC blog statement a mix of characters and villains new and old. Any threats or threads you'll be picking up from your last run, or are you pulling out some new toys from the Batman box? We may
0: see what finally happened to the Reaper, and we'll get to see what's going on with Katrina as Catgirl, but the crux of the story will be dealing with something new. As for future arcs, there are always ideas spinning in my head.
3: Needless to say, um, one of the things that Tony Daniel's going to be doing is he's going to be bringing in a lot of mobsters. I guess I, I think he, he's got a thing with doing mobsters, but this time it's going to be the Chinese mob, and that's going to be part of the uh, first story arc he does on Batman in November.
0: Could be very interesting. There, Chinatown hasn't really been something that has been discussed almost at all. I think in any of the Bat books, at least in recent years.
1: And it's true. I mean, he seems he seems to really, really love, like, the Mafia aspect of Batman, and that can be interesting, so this is definitely the same thing, but with a twist, since it is a different type of Mafia, but uh, I guess we'll see how long that can be entertaining. Oh,
2: too bad for birthday, boy. This
0: last trick is pure dynamite.
1: Ta-da! Who is it?
0: It's a birthday candle, Einstein! Except this one blows you out.
3: So the next thing we've got is also on August 23rd. Comic Book Resources had a chance to talk with Scott Snyder about his upcoming work on Detective Comics. So this time around, Zach will read for Comic Book Resources, and I will read for Scott Snyder.
0: Seems like you're grappling with some real-world history in American Vampire, but you don't have that to draw upon in Detective Comics. Does that make it more difficult to find something to latch onto? It's all well and good to delve deeply into the fascinating time of early Vegas and then bring in supernatural forces to symbolize the darkness and violence of that time. But with Batman stories, it's all just a bunch of made-up stories taking place in a made-up city. How do you find the theme's inherent in that or do you come at it from a different angle and what is that you find fascinating about Gotham about Gordon about Batman and his world
3: It's still the same, I think, because it's not so much the history itself that's compelling to me. The history is interesting on its own, but the way that historical settings allows for an exploration of the character. Meaning, Las Vegas in the 1930s has always been interesting to me, but I've never written about it before. I'm writing about it here because it allows a way into some really rich human drama when it comes to characters dealing with vampires. As for Batman, I tried to think of what kind of Batman moments I love the most and what I'd like to see. So for me, there are usually moments when Batman, Bruce, or Dick sees his deepest personal fears reflected in the changes in front of him. The moments when he sees himself as human and vulnerable and hates it. That's why I've enjoyed Grant's run so much. It's about Batman facing his fears on every level. The black love, Simon Hurt possibly being related to him, Damien as a twisted reflection of Batman, and so on. Year one is the same for me, in the way that Jim Gordon, who seems to me to be the actual protagonist of that story, sees his own worst failings and fears reflected in the city in the crooks and cops around him. Ultimately, the challenge brings out the best in him. The cult, Batman, is psychologically broken for the first time and then has to go back to the lion's den. The Dark Knight Returns, Batman's own failing body is his enemy. The Killing Joke, he has come to understand that even at the book's start, that he and the Joker are extensions of each other. I wish I could be more specific when about what my run is going to be about, but I have to play it close to the vest right now.
0: It's called Black Mirror, though. Let's keep it a little more general, then. What's your concept of Gotham City's geography? Do you have a map in your mind of all the darkest corners of the city? Is there an official map of Gotham that you use as reference? I'm just imagining that the city will be as important as the characters for your run on Detective.
3: I have a map in mind and I use one that's generally available too, no secret official one. But yes, the city plays a huge part in the series. We'll explore the wealthiest areas and the tunnels, historical locations and new developments. I really want the city to be more than a context. I'd like the history and present state of Gotham to be a part of the mysteries Batman has to solve. Like, Batman has to be familiar with Gotham's past to understand its present well enough to solve certain crimes in the present. I love Brubaker's made-of-wood mystery from a couple years back, for example. It has Batman solving a murder that has links to murder case Alan Grant struggled with in Golden Age Gotham. The way the answer to a case taking place in the present is buried in some dark, secret Gotham's past. I love that stuff. So yes, Gotham itself plays a very, very big part of the series. One of the main themes has to do with Batman's struggle to understand how the city has changed in the past couple years, and is still changing, now that Bruce is back. Okay, so with that being said, I gotta say, going through some of the stuff that he's making comments on, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what he's gonna do with Detective Comics.
0: Yeah, he, Scott Snyder definitely knows his history, and I've read a little bit of American Vampire, and, and I, I am too extremely excited. He seems like he has has his story mapped out pretty well. Um, he's going to use everything to his advantage, and I know in recently Detective has kind of hit this mediocre streak, and I look forward to him coming on to see if he can really raise this title back up.
1: I agree, i am not read uh, his uh, other work, but just the way he was describing what he likes in the Batman story, I, I kind of got to tw- take t- towards that as well, so it sounds, it sounds interesting. All right, Joker, get ready for a little bat magic.
3: So the next thing we've got is... From August 27th, the source announced that after issue number 78, current editor Eddie Berganza will be leaving the series. Matt Idelson will be taking over with Superman Batman number 79. And that's pretty much all we have for that.
4: I'll clip your wings,
0: you flying rodent!
3: Alright, so the next thing we've got is on August 30th, Kampuku Resources posted up some news from from that weekend's Fan Expo in Toronto, Canada. Highlights from the DC Nation panel were... Dio reiterated his disdain for Dick Grayson. Everyone knows that he wanted to kill off the character during Infinite Crisis. He admitted this weekend that he did not think that Grayson in the bad suit would work. He had every intention to put Grayson back in the Nightwing costume sooner rather than later. Again, fans changed his mind with the liking of Grayson as Batman. The deal also referred to Damien as a breakout star of the DCU. Someone asked about a possible series focusing on Damien, to which the deal replied, You know what would be cool? A Damien miniseries by Andy Kubert. Uh. The next one was, there will be more than one Batman in the DCU once Bruce Wayne returns. And DiDio mentioned that Peter Tomasi will be taking over the Batboat by the end of the summer. Um, although he must have missed the announcement that was posted on the source because that wasn't any new news.
0: So he didn't really say anything, That's what much. this interview says. The only thing I would disagree with is that I think Dick Grayson is the breakout star of the DCU. And any Batman miniseries by Andy Cuber would be cool. So I don't know...
1: <laughs> he said everything, but actually, my name is Dan Dio instead of Danadio. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. If fans have really, really loved Dick Grayson as Batman. I think they've not hated it, but it didn't sound like something that you know people have been like you know having their socks lit on fire or anything. So that kind of surprised that he said that. I mean, I, I love Dick Grayson, whatever he does mainly, but I was uh, it. It kind of sounds like a little bit of lip service and fifty uh, percent lip service, fifty percent honesty. So um, not much to say. The usual from much yeah, mm-hmm. 50-50.
3: <laughs> so then, also that same weekend, uh, the Baltimore Comic-Con was happening, and comic Resources and Newsarama were in Baltimore to cover the DC Nation panel there. There's a little bit more highlights there including a collective edition of Gotham Central still being put together, although they have no set plan in place. Tim Drake and Damien will stay in their roles as Red Robin and Robin, respectively. There are no plans to have them change names or costumes anytime soon. Cassandra Kane is still MIA for now, as DC tries to reinvent the character correctly. It is up to Greg Rucka on whether or not he wants to do more Batwoman in the future. There is a chance that Damien could get his own miniseries or ongoing. There are no plans to have a comic series tied to the Batman video games. Grant Morrison is planned to be on the Bat books through 2012. The stories he has planned for 2012 were described as crazy. Surprise. Batman Beyond will be beginning its own ongoing series, and besides Tim and Damien being confirmed as staying in their same roles, no one else is for sure staying in their current roles. And I guess what they're referring to
0: would be Dick Grayson. I think this whole two Batman thing is, is something that's only going to play out for a short period of time. I also find it funny that it's up to Greg Rucka whether he wants to write more Batwoman in the future. Of course it mm. is. And then Batman Beyond getting its own ongoing series is interesting to me that they would make that decision so soon when this mini series hasn't even completely played out yet. So they like to jump the gun, I guess. So
1: yeah, do you think that they would just kind of stick with their, uh, their their established status quo? It sounds like they're just playing almost Jenka, trying to build all the pieces and you know take some things out. I, I if they want to fix or you know figure out what they want to do with Cassandra Kane, I have a suggestion. Get Kelly Puckett to come back on the team and, you know, have him, who, you know, he started the series, have him, you know, figure out what to do with her instead of sticking it to people who don't know how to work with her. Oh, I don't know, Adam Beach and, and you know, possibly have her written even more out of character or as a non-entity. It doesn't seem like a really difficult decision to me, but then again, <laughs> that's why I'm here and not over there.
0: I wish he'd come back because he did write some really great, great stuff. Mm -hmm. Alright, so the next thing we've got is
3: also from the 30th, going back to the Fan Expo, we have the DC Universe panel highlights, and there's not a ton of them, but Batman Beyond ongoing series was teased heavily. Damien shows up in Teen Titans number 88 to join the team. Marcus Toe is approaching Tim Drake in a slightly lighter way since he is one of the younger characters in the DCU. This is what blows my mind. DC Universe took place not on the same day as the DC Nation panels in, at both respective conventions. The Dio's teasing a Batman Beyond miniseries while, by the way, if you went to Baltimore, guess what? They already told you it's happening. They're not teasing it. They're, they told you flat out we're doing it. So I don't get that. Like, like, how do they not know what to talk about before they get to these things?
0: I don't know. And What does, what does the Marcus Toe announcement mean? What does that even mean? I don't, I don't know. He's been, he's been drawing the character for over okay. a year. And we knew Damien was coming to the Teen Titans. And it, honestly, it sounds like this this expo at the DC Universe panel here, basically nothing was said.
3: They kind of got screwed over. Right. <laughs> so and then the next thing we've got is comic book resources, covered Baltimore Comic Con for Sunday's Morning con- Conversation and the highlights were Joker does not need a definitive origin because it can constantly changes and makes the character more interesting. Batman Inc. will start a two-year Batman story that is described as crazier than anything before. Cassandra Kane will be back in the DCU in 2011. Hmm, that kind of sounds familiar. Red Hood will continue to be in the DCU after the Red Hood miniseries. He will be Dick Grayson's main villain. What? We saw that coming. We 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 saw that coming.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at that arc in Batman and Robin, they were he was developing something there. I but well, again, this morning conversation, this article, it doesn't seem like there's was too much said here either.
1: I don't know, like arch like arch villain like like a a Joker to his Batman. I mean, I know that they were they were built up in the Batman Robin arc as natural enemies of Batman and Robin, I mean, that was fine, but, like, out of all the villains in the DC Universe, Jason Todd will be his worst, I don't know about that. Who do
0: you suggest?
1: If anybody, I don't know, Deathstroke, I mean, because, you know, he's, he was never a, very, a Batman villain, but he said, if you're going to talk about Dick Grayson, I don't think you should have the two Robins be arch enemies, I think that's really stupid, to be honest.
0: I'm fine with it.
1: It's, it's my worst enemy, the Robin after me. Anybody in there? There's no evidence anyone was inside. There
0: was somebody in there. Batman saved his butt. I seen him, man. He was just leaping on the rooftops, carrying somebody on his shoulders. I seen it. Like a a dark angel snatching the guy from the fires of Hades, man.
3: That's going to take us into the next news, which was also from August 30th. The New York Post posted up some news about there being two Batman in Gotham City come this November. Dick Grayson will be continuing his role as Batman when Bruce returns and Bruce will return and create a franchise of Batman. DiDio had this to say about this. Bruce Wayne realizes that he can't just be the Grim Avenger he was before. He wants to be more aggressive in his reach and realizes the change that Batman as a symbol can affect around the world. Obviously because of this news, the source clarified which which titles Dick and Bruce will appear in? Bruce will be the focus in Batman Inc. and Batman the Dark Knight. While Dick will have Detective Comics in Batman. Grayson will team up with Damian within the pages of Batman Robin. And then Mike Martz said this. Just as readers were getting comfortable with the idea of former sidekick Dick Grayson playing the role of Batman. Along comes Bruce Wayne's triumphant return to the cave and Cow. Is Gotham City ready for two Batman? Is the world? And who's to say the fun will end there? We called this. Uh, This isn't really that big of a surprise, although I am interested that uh, Damian will still team up with Dick in Batman Robin because I thought this might have been the opportunity for Dick and Bruce to really work together, but that's okay. Um, I'm not that opposed to this.
0: I'm not either. I'm glad that they're not pulling Dick right out of all these books right away. They're going to try to balance the two Batman, who knows for how long, um, before they make a switch or whatever. And I do like that Dick is still going to team up with Damien because I think that relationship is interesting.
1: I agree with that. I was really, I think I've said before, looking forward to the Batman and Robin title being a Bruce Wayne and Damian Wayne title because I thought that that relationship would be very interesting. But uh, if Damian's with anybody and if he has to be with Dick, that's okay. Um, to Batman, I think we're, we're all expecting this to last about 12 months before Dick Grayson says, well, I don't want try, to try being Nightwing again or Dick Grayson doesn't say anything and he's killed. I mean, who knows?
3: Yeah, it's something like that's going to happen. I'm having if- a hard time thinking that Dick's gonna be able to go back to being Nightwing after this whole because as I've said in the past when we've talked about this it would be a humongous demotion it'd be like oh well you were the head honcho for a while guess what you become second rate again because Bruce Wayne's back
1: I disagree Uh, because like I I mean I don't think Nightwing is like any step I don't think it's like a a part on the ladder I think Nightwing was just an extension of Dick Grayson's personality as a superhero I mean Batman is Batman I mean, when you think of Batman, you think of Bruce Wayne. You don't think of Dick Grayson as Batman. So if he were to return as Nightwing like he did in Prodigal ten years ago, I don't think that would be stepping down. I was, I just think it would be just back to who he would be. I don't I don't think that would you know, make him feel any bad or people seeing him any any less of a role. And I also question why like why in the world would he be Batman if Bruce comes back? First of all, Bruce didn't want to be Batman. And second of all, Dick doesn't really he's I think he's comfortable in the role but I don't think he's happy, so it's just I think it would make sense if he became Nightwing again, but, you know, difference of opinion.
0: Here, kid. I think you lost this.
1: I could have handled him.
0: Coulda, woulda, didn't. You sound just like Batman. I'm nothing like him. Yeah, right. The mask,
4: the attitude, the long underwear.
0: Drop it. I'd love to know what happened between you two. Things change. No, kidding. You guys used to be the greatest. Batman and Robin, the dynamic duo. Maybe you should ask him. I
4: did. And you'll never guess what he said. Things change.
0: Alright,
3: so then on September 1st, Comic Book Resources posts up an interview with Yannick Paquette, who will be handling the art duties on Grant Morrison's Batman Inc. set to come out in November. I will read for Comic Book Resources, and Donovan will read for Yannick Paquette. So your return to DC wasn't connected to working on Batman?
1: I was willing to do whatever Grant was into at the moment, whether it be Batman or something else. There may be plans for other things eventually, but he was into the Batman thing, and he had all these projects to take care of, I guess. Finishing what he started with Batman years ago and make it come to some sort of end or something like that. So while I was glad to, to be a part of it. It wasn't Batman in particular. Although I love Batman. He's fun to draw. The question
3: on everyone's mind is, what will happen in the DC Universe with both Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson running around Gotham with Batman suits on? Have you had an opportunity yet, or will you get the opportunity in Batman Inc. to draw both of them in the same panel or on the same page, wearing their full Batman costumes?
1: I don't know. Not yet. What I got so far doesn't include this kind of thing. But I don't know. I still haven't read that so much so far, so it might come to that point.
3: So you're already drawing the first issues of Batman Inc.?
1: Oh Yeah. I'm not quite that advanced, but I'm into it. Everything is under control, let's just say that. I think
3: eventually it will come to Dick and Bruce being on the same pages, but I don't necessarily think that maybe Batman Inc. is going to be that book. I think Batman Inc. is going to be one of the books that's focusing more on Batman going around the world and having his little recruitment drive.
1: I'm interested. I mean, i gotta see. I got to see how this is going to turn out. It seems I have underestimated the Batman
3: All right, so the next thing we've got is also from September 1st. Newsrama posts up an interview with Mark Guggenheim. Guggenheim will be starting a five-part story arc in Batman Confidential in November. The arc tells the story of how Batman became involved with the Justice League. So, Zach will read for Newsrama, and I will read for Mark Guggenheim.
0: Mark, is this something you just wrote, or did you write this a while ago? This is something I wrote a very long time ago.
3: This is my third comic book story I ever wrote. I like to say it's for all my readers who think my older stuff is better.
0: And the solicitation says that this is a younger, more maverick Batman.
3: Yeah, back when I wrote the story, Batman Confidential was literally starting publication. And this is one of the very first arcs commissioned for the book. The mission statement for the book was stories from Batman's sentimental moments. I had always been intrigued by the notion of why a character like Batman joins the Justice League. I'm of the opinion, if you didn't have Batman being such a big commercial success, he wouldn't have been a member of the Justice League. He's on that team because of marketing. But his nature is to be a loner. He's not the type to join a team. So I get a lot of ideas from having a question like that and trying to answer it. So I tried to come up with a story that would help me explain to myself why Batman would join a team of superheroes. I don't want to spoil the answer too much, but it struck me that the explanation would have something to do with the fact that there would be things that even Batman alone couldn't fight, couldn't stop. So I came up with a story that basically put Batman in conflict with a character that he couldn't beat by himself. One of the other things I evolved as I wrote this story was, well, why does Batman even dress up in a costume? Because the truth of the matter is, yes, we know that he's taken on this mission to strike terror into the hearts of criminals, but there are other ways of doing that without a chest symbol or the earlier iterations of his costume, which were much more superhero in nature. What are the origins of that? So this story tries to provide insight of, into why Batman has so many superhero trappings, the costume, the membership, and a superhero t- team, things of that nature. It was fun to do. To me, it was a fun question to explore. I find this interesting specifically because, could Batman Confidential actually be a worthwhile book come November?
0: Mark Guggenheim is a veteran writer, and I think, you know, the point of Confidential has always kind of been, you know, you let writers and artists do their own thing with Batman that they want to do on the book, and for the most part, that hasn't been too successful, but I think this is an interesting idea of how he ends up in the Justice League, and I'm interested. I don't know how...
1: From what I've read of Batman Confidential mainly, like, there's supposed to be these stories that could have taken place in the past, but ultimately... You really can't torture those and to say yes, these are in continuity because it, like there's there's too many there's too many like variables in there. So, while they can hype this up as much as they want to, unless this is like th- unless this is talked about as one of the premier Batman books of the year, I don't think it'll be anything other than a, a Batman Confidential story at best. Which is you know take that for what you will.
3: Either way, I, I gotta say I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it, and it'll be a change of pace from you know vampires and werewolves for a while.
4: So even in defeat, the detective manages to achieve some small measure of victory. As you said, detective, this is not over.
3: All right. So the next thing we've got is September first. Uh, NewsRama posts up an interview with Mike Martz. As we know, Mike Marts is the Batman Group editor. Don will read for NewsRama, and Zach will read for Mike
1: Marts. Mike, was this idea to have two Batman something Grant conceived?
0: Yeah, like most of the big things we've been doing with the Batman group over the last few years, most of the big ideas are coming from Grant Morrison's direction. And that includes this idea of more than one Batman that we're rolling
1: out. Let's talk about the fact that Dick Grayson has three books and Bruce Wayne has two books. Is there a reason for that difference?
0: You know, that's a loose lineup. Moving forward, we'll definitely have the flexibility to play with that a little bit, but at least at the onset in November, that's the way we're dividing
1: things up. If we're going to learn about the two Batman once the Batman Inc. comic begins, then what is the purpose of the event in October, Bruce Wayne The Road Home?
0: The Road Home is really a chance for readers to catch their breath and cleanse their palate before we dive headfirst into the deep pool that is Batman Inc., and all the other great things that are coming out in November. The Road Home is a celebration of the legacy of Bruce Wayne, a celebration of what Bruce Wayne has meant as Batman, as the protector of Gotham City. We've been building towards Bruce's return for many months now, in the return of Bruce Wayne and Batman and Robin, and once Bruce Wayne has returned, that's going to mean very different things to the people in his life. The heroes, the villains, the allies, the lovers. So this is a chance for us to stop and with each of those supporting characters who have meant so much to Bruce Wayne and really examine what Bruce Wayne has meant to their lives. And either their roles as heroes or villains. So we'll get to stop in with Tim Drake, we'll get to stop in with Dick Grayson and Damien, we'll get to see Catwoman, we'll see Commissioner Gordon, we'll see Barbara Gordon, we'll see Raz al Ghul, and we'll see the Outsiders as well.
1: We've had the opportunity to hear a little bit about each of the main Batman titles in November, having talked to the most of the writers about their upcoming stories. But as the editor, where do you see each of these five Batman books fitting into your publishing plan for covering these two Batmen?
0: The great thing about the Batman group of titles is that we've been able to manage a group of books that centers around basically one character. For the last year or two, we've kind of expanded that to Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. But for the most part, we've been dealing with one character, Batman. With multiple titles, we've been able to maintain individual voices and flavors on each of the titles over the past several years, which I think has been a real success and says a lot about the creative talent we have on the books. Grant Morrison, if he's writing Batman, or he's writing Batman and Robin, or he's writing Batman Inc., his storylines will deal with the big concepts and the epic storyline, and the multi-layered, bigger story. That's Grant's strong point. So that's what Batman Inc. is about. It's about expanding the Batman universe and the Batman line and the Batman cast of characters. The Batman Core Monthly, which we've had Tony Daniel primarily shepherding over the last year or so, that's the soap opera book. That's the high adventure book. That's the continuing adventures book. If you want to see Batman in his purest superhero form, that's the book we want to steer people toward. Batman and Robin, whether it's Grant writing it or Peter Tomasi writing it, that's the team dynamic book. That's the superhero and the sidekick. That's the father and the son. That's the older brother and the younger brother. This is the family dynamic book. That's what we've been trying to do with that title. Detective Comics has been a book where we try to focus on the crime aspect of Batman's character and the detective aspect of his character. Now, we have Scott Snyder coming in and doing great work on the title. The book is really about the crime stories that come out of Gotham City and which Batman has to deal with. With The Dark Knight, this is an opportunity we're fortunate enough to get a comic superstar in David Finch, who is a fantastic creator, and we're able to turn him and say, let's do those Batman stories that you've always wanted to tell. So it's a combination of a talent showcase book but at the same time, it follows Batman's solo adventures, which are firmly rooted within the grand picture of the rest of the Batman titles.
3: Alright, so that's kind of a rundown of things we can expect. Not really any news inside of that, though.
1: I kind of like the the fact that the company has said, this is what we want to be intended for this book. This is what we want to be intended for this book. I I like that they did that, uh, just just really because I kind of agree, you know, Batman's a superhero book. Batman and Robins, the team, uh, you know, the the dynamic duo book. Yes, Detective Comics is Batman Reacting to Crime. I really like all that. And then they said Dark Knight is basically David Finch's uh wonder book, you know. Oh, this is the comic you gave to David Finch. You know, you're you're so awesome. Do you want to write a Batman book? Here you go, Here, here's your Batman book. And that that kind of like kind of like like whoa, what's the point of this? I mean, that's might as well give that to um give it to another creator. Like not not it's just an example of, you know, giving it to one writer slash artist. And saying, "Well, you like Batman, don't you? Well, here's your Batman book, almost like a present, and not really for the good of the character or the company, like so they did seemed... with Neil
0: Adams and Batman Odyssey."
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah, it's like it, it. just seems. I really, really like the fact that they kind of broke up the book, the the main three books, like that. But the way they described Batman Dark Knight seems very disingenuous to me. I mean, I don't have anything against David Finch per se. I think he's a little overrated, but I think he's okay for what he is. But they basically said, "Yeah, we gave David Finch a Batman big book because why not?" And that's that. Okay, that's just that seems to me is a little stupid. But um occurs of the other books, it seems fine enough.
0: I th- the thing about the David Finch book with me is that I would be totally for it if they didn't have so many other titles going on. I don't feel like, right now, with God knows how many different Batman titles they are planning for this fall, you know, I don't think we need more writer-artist books where they can do whatever they want. I just, I don't know that that's necessary. You know, you gave that to Neil Adams. confidential. you know, you get writer-artist teams that tell stories that they want to tell that are out of continuity. As of right now, Superman Batman hasn't been in continuity. I just, I don't see what the stress is for that book, but... I like David Finch a lot, and i so i do I am interested to see what he does there and that is one of the two books that Bruce Wayne will be in, so like it or not, that is a Bruce Wayne book and if you want to read Bruce Wayne, you're probably going to have to read that
1: You can also say that Superman Batman started out as a Jeff Loeb book because you know he was famous for writing those two characters, Superman and Batman, so you can almost say that it was sort of like like what it is what it started out to be what is what they're kind of promoting Batman Dark Knight as for David Finch, but um yeah, right who <laughs> so so maybe Dark Knight will even end up out of continuity in, in five years or so
0: The first thirty issues of Superman Batman were actually pretty good by Jeff Floeb, it's well, the last I, I forty of the forty five that haven't been too good,
1: the majority of them, yeah, I, I agree.
0: Yeah, all I really have to say
3: about that is that I agree. I think this David Finch project, I want, I, I'm looking forward to it, but do I think it was necessary? No. I don't think they needed to keep adding more and more series. Like, it's one thing to add Batman, Inc., because it's playing a pivotal role in the story that they're trying to tell, but Batman Dark Knight is just there. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They could have done something like this uh, once Adam's book wrapped up and then go ahead and give him something like that. It just seems like they are continuously adding more and more and more series over and over again just because people keep buying it. And obviously we're going to keep buying it, so they figure, oh, well,
0: just, we add another one. It's no big deal.
1: <laughs> it's only yeah,
0: one. Right. The David Finch book to me almost seems like DC signs him, and he does the cover for 700 and they're like, oh, we don't have anything for you to do. So what if we just give you your own Batman book?
3: Yeah, because he was doing the covers for Brightest Day. Right. But other than that, he really hasn't done anything. So right. it was almost like, oh, hey, we got you as an exclusive. We really signed you. We made this big deal about it when we got you. And now we have nothing for you to do. So what do you want to do? Well, I've always wanted to do Batman. Oh, yeah, we know, because your DeviantArt page has tons of Batman sketches all over <laughs> So, yeah, you think I could do a Batman? Yeah, sure, we'll give you your own series. You're David Finch. Jeez, okay. I think that's pretty much how it played out.
1: (laughs) What's that?
4: Who dares? Of course.
0: Like the shadow of ebon-winged night, he rises from the dark realm. Behold! The coming of my brother, Lord Hades!
3: Alright, so the next thing we've got is on September 2nd, Newsarama interviewed Peter Tomasi on his upcoming work on Batman Robin. I will read from Newsarama and Don will read for Peter Tomasi. How does the presence of the two Batman affect your comic?
1: As I say, two Batmen are better than one. But Bruce being back is definitely a factor that affects the entire Bat family, of course, on many different levels. In Batman and Robin, though, I'll mainly be dealing with Dick Grayson as Batman and Damian Wayne as Robin. That's not to say that Bruce won't be around in our pages. He most definitely will. But as people will see, we'll open the book addressing Bruce's return in a very personal way and take it from there.
3: I don't know how much you can tell me about Batman, but will anyone in the public know the difference between... Bruce Wayne Batman and Dick Grayson Batman. Are they trying to be the same hero publicly, or are they two different personas?
1: There's not much I can say about that at this point. Grant has some mega plans that will be pretty spectacular and played out in his new book Batman Inc. Reverberations from that will be felt throughout the Batman universe. By the time our run starts on Batman and Robin, everyone will have a clear sense of how two Batman will coexist in the DCU.
3: Will we find out when this event happens in October?
1: Yeah, before the end of the year, everyone will definitely know the new status quo for Batman and the entire Bat family. No
3: surprise that he's he can't really talk about um, you know the details of the Batman. I think that's all going to be kept quiet as far as yeah, okay, we'll get some stuff here and there as far as what what's going what's you know we'll get some solicitations. They'll tell us who's going to be in what book, but. I think they're really going to hash out the, okay, there's two Batman, how does that work? Batman Inc., you know, obviously that refers to a group of different Batman. So I think we'll see that fleshed out as as the comics start to come out, more so than in the news stories that we get every day.
0: Yeah, and I find it interesting that Nuzirama and CBR continue to ask these questions about the Batman, and literally everyone that they've asked has given them almost the not same anything. exact response. So obviously they're all following a, an order handed out by DC that they are not to talk about this. Yeah, it's almost
3: as if it was a mandate. Talk about this and you're going to be screwed. Right. <laughs> <And clears throat> forever. It's been, it's been a while since we've had some kind of you know weird event like that happen. You know, it was the uh, end of Battle for the Cowl when everyone was like, oh, who's going to be Batman at the end of Battle for the Cowl? And Tony Daniel went and posted that picture of uh, Dick Grayson and ruined it for everybody. Yeah, right. Uh, but, uh, th- there was definitely some uh, ripples felt from that event. I mean, I remember Tony Daniel shut his blog down for quite some time because of that. Right. But uh, needless to say, I think that if someone was to actually like mistakenly say... Oh, By the way, yeah, there's gonna be like a bunch of different Batman. They're gonna walk around in the same costume. They're gonna do the same stuff and The whole idea is that Batman just wants to become that urban legend that he was before where you know, he walks around and There's Batman all over the place. How can Batman be in more place more more than one place at once? Well, that's because he's not a human. It's just not possible That's and then you know that comes up and everyone's like, oh, wow not to mention, I mean, like, they're telling, like, the stuff when this happens, is like they're, we're talking about stuff that we already know what the deal is. They're just not giving us the, the details because they don't want to. They want you to guess. They want you to somewhat be surprised, you know, when the book comes out.
0: See, I almost wonder if some of these guys don't really know what's going on. They don't really know what's happening because their books focus on you know mike martz talked about what each book focuses on scott snyder is focusing on one kind of batman and that's bruce then what does he need to worry about dick grayson for um right. this whole idea of two batmen is is a pretty big concept that it's gonna be i think is gonna be hard for a lot of fans to accept and i wonder if you know there's only a corner of that editorial office that's really knows how they're going to do this yet. That's a wait and see, though. I agree. Surprised to see me?
1: A little. I'm more surprised that I lived so long.
0: Batman, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, Batman. Or have you met? Not now. Great. What did they used to call it? Stereo?
3: All right, so the last thing we've got is on September 2nd, Spike TV announced the 2010 Scream Award nominations, And, of course, uh, we have two comic creators that have earned nods. Under the category for Best Comic Book Artist, Frank Quietly and J.H. Williams III both received nominations for the work on their respective Batman titles. You can place your vote by going to Spike TV. You can also just check out the website. Look for Scream Awards 2010. Click on it and then it'll actually take you to the place where you can actually place your vote for that nomination, and as well as a ton of other categories.
0: Well deserved by both.
3: <laughs> all right, so that is all the news we've got. That's going to take us into our reviews.
0: Just be happy I only killed one of them. They're all assassins! And what are you? I'm cleaning up Gotham! More than you ever did! You're stealing territory from Black Mask and killing anyone who gets in your way. Black Mask is just a part of the plan. Plan?
3: You're becoming a crime lord.
0: Yes. You can't stop crime. That's what you never understood. I'm controlling it. You want to rule them by fear, but what do you do with the ones who aren't afraid? I'm doing what you won't. I'm taking them out.
3: Tell me what happened to you. Let me help. It's too late. You had your chance.
1: Red Hood, Lost Days, issue four of six, written by Judd Winnick illustrated by Jeremy Holm. Continuing where we left off through the visions of Jason Todd as he came back to life, we start out in Somalia, Africa, where we're introduced to a bunch of mercenaries. But as soon as we introduce we are, we see them get taken out by a bunch of kids with machine guns. And then we cut to Jason Todd fleeing Somalia, Africa on a motorcycle. He basically spots us through this story how he's been going through several masters and you know experts in various ways of combat and, and intelligence and then pretty much wiping them out because that's how he gets his, how he gets his kicks. He runs into a man named Rip, who is, you know, is a is a master helicopter pilot, takes him to London, where he runs into this this huge drug dealer named Shriek Ivanko. And while he's he's kind of, you know, what he's, what he's been doing is falling in with these guys pretending to be their friend, pretending to want to learn more from them. And they do the entire time learning their connections, learning what they're about, learning who's the most dangerous person in the city, and gaining more intelligence. The way he's been getting more intelligence from this is by meeting up randomly with Talia. Talia apparently likes to give her former lover's sidekicks the the rundown. Yeah, so while this is going, Jason's pretty much confessing, yeah, I've been doing this for a while, and... She's saying, "I know what you're not doing this just to cover your tracks." And Jason's like, "No, no, 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 no. I, I, I do this because you're bad people. Like, he, listed lists some certain examples. Like one who was a bomb expert was also a pedophile. One who was um, good with the guns, who taught him how to use guns better, was a drug dealer. One martial arts master planned to murder her family, so Jason took him out because it was the right thing to do. Speaking of the right thing to do, Talia decides to give Jason some intelligence of her own." and Jason is first introduced to the concept that Batman has replaced him with Tim Drake in the role of Robin. Jason's very visibly stunned by this, and even though he says, oh, I'm alright, it doesn't bother me at all, we see panels of him putting the pictures that Talia obtained of Tim on, on the wall, he's, he's staying at in his room, and just just staring at him, just despairing the fact that he's replaced. Jason continues to follow his leads, and through his connections, he realizes that the person he's, he's been running with, Vanko, has been working freelance as bo- a freelance bomber working for Aryan terrorists and various terrorist people trying to blow up a bunch of innocent civilians. Jason figures I better stop this so while he tries to disarm the bomb and actually doesn't plan on killing people, his cover is blown completely and he's stumbled upon a bunch, bunch of thugs, thugs with guns. Jason really screws up around here because he assumed they wouldn't be carrying guns and even though Jason has a gun of his own through the flipping and dodging of the bullets, he's dropped his firearm. So while he, he improvises an explosion to makes his escape, He comes to only to find the Russian mafia at his face and saying in their Russian language, who is he? I don't care, just kill him. Even though we know Jason Todd's still alive, this is where we end, to be continued.
2: Okay kiddo, I gotta go. It's been fun though, right? Well, maybe a smidge more fun for me than you. I'm just guessing since you're being awful quiet. Anyway. Be a good boy, finish your homework, and be in bed by nine. And hey, please tell the big man I said, hello.
0: (laughs) And that is going to take us to Batman and Robin number 14, written by Grant Morrison, with artwork by Fraser Irving. This is part two of the Batman and Robin must die story arc. We open with Damien continuing to beat the Joker to a pulp with a crowbar. Damien explains to the Joker that he knows how to kill without hesitation. The Joker wants Damien's mercy and tells him he wants to tell him the truth. He explains that he is using all of them. That he isn't after Batman, but he's after Dr. Hurt. This is his fight with the Black Glove. As he explains, Damien allows him to stand up. The Joker then states that he he has been blinded by his own blood, which puts Damien off guard just fast enough for the Joker to attack Damien. The Joker is able to poison Damien with... Joker venom that is mixed into his nail polish, and Damien quickly becomes the Joker's laughing doll. The cops have finally had enough and go to head into the room when the door explodes from the inside and the Joker escapes with the giggling Damien. We then move on to Professor Pig, who is hanging upside down from a barbed wire swing, singing nursery rhymes as he and Dr. Hurt begin to carry out their plan to destroy Gotham. Following this scene, we cut to an outnumbered Commissioner Gordon who is standing over the unconscious body of Batman, fighting off a rather large swarm of Pig's dolls. As the dolls close in, the Batmobile begins to count down for 15 seconds and is set to self-destruct. Batman awakens but is unable to prevent the explosion or save Commissioner Gordon from Pig's dolls. Day 2 Pig and Dr. Hurt prepare to begin to see their plan through. Dick awakens after being sedated, being cared for by Alfred. Dick learns that the Joker has Damien and the only way he can save Damien is to help the Joker bring down the Black Glove. Dick reluctantly agrees to work with the Joker and heads to Crime Alley to save Gordon from the clutches of the Black Glove. Gordon is strapped down to an operating table while Pig stands over him. Pig and Hurt explain to Gordon about their airborne narcotic when the mayor walks in eating popcorn. Hurt and Pig don't know where the popcorn came from. Just then, the mayor begins to grin ear to ear and they soon realize the Joker has the drop on them. Soon, laughing lunatics are everywhere and Batman bursts in on the two. As Batman fights off the Joker's victims and Pig's doll, Hurt offers the antidote for the narcotics to Gordon, if he does what he is told. Batman is grabbed by the dolls and is confronted by Pig, however he is able to break free and knock Pig down. He reaches Gordon and unstraps him, only to have Gordon beat him over the head with an oxygen shank. And we soon see that Batman is once again in the hands of the Black Glove. We then cut to the Joker and congratulates the Black Glove, but says things are getting too serious. And he looks over at Damien and says, who do I know that's good with serious? That's to be continued. I hope you understand the trouble I've gone through to arrange this little get-together here. A lot of money, a lot of dead meat. Look, uh, I've got a problem. And you are absolutely the man who possesses the gifts to take care of this problem. I need you
2: to murder the Red Hood. You think you can handle that? <coughs> May I have some water?
1: <laughs>
2: I'm going to need something to wear in a very big truck sure anything else I'll need some guys not these guys because well they're kind of dead) <laughs>
1: Ha
3: ha ha ha! Alright, so that's going to take us into Detective Comics number 868, written by David Hine, with art by Scott McDaniel. So we pick off kind of where we left off in the last issue, with a recap of actually what happened in the last issue, about the Joker being killed and then the police being killed in retaliation and then there the new imposter Batman appearing. So we see a number of different things happening where the Jokers are causing mayhem throughout town and a bunch of imposter Batman are walking around trying to get Make the jokers pay and somehow a lot of these imposter Batman are actually killing people. Batman and Commissioner Gordon have a have a discussion about this and say, you know, this is ridiculous how all of these uh, all of this joker juice is polluting the population. This is ridiculous. So for some reason Batman decides to go back to Wayne Manor and take some of this Joker juice himself to see how it feels. So he becomes a Joker and he then tries to punch Alfred in the face and Alfred dodges it. Uh, After he recovers, they see a video online where the head imposter joker is telling everybody to... telling all the other imposter jokers to go rob from banks and give it to charity. And then in return, uh, the imposter Batman, the main one, tells citizens do not do this. Do not fall to uh, anarchy. We will uphold the law if we have to using guns. We then cut to Commissioner Gordon telling all of the police officers in a room uh, you are being armed with bullets and nightsticks. Use those whenever possible. Try not to use live ammunition if, if it's not needed. We're trying to get as many of these people under arrest and in control as possible. Uh, we then to what is known as the Imposter Wars, where the Jokers are stealing money left and right from all kinds of places, giving it to poor people as they go home. In the meantime, the Imposter Batman figure out what they're doing, and start actually shooting upon them and trying to take them out. Uh, they are, a lot of them get caught as well. So, as it turns out, the Imposter Batman tells the other Imposter Batman, taking out these Imposter Jokers, they need to set an example. So. What looks like is if they're going to set them free is actually an opportunity for them to let them run so that they can kill them. Batman comes in and sees the dead Jokers all over the place and finds out that the main imposter, Batman, has some kind of thing that he wants to do in order to kill these Jokers, he tries chasing him. He unfortunately does not catch up to him, and he comes across a mob of the Jokers. He makes pretty good work of the Jokers, and a lot of them get arrested. After that, we see the impostor Batman get away. And Batman and Gordon say it's over, but they both know it's not true. Shortly after that, a person with white, white, uh, a white face and red paint, but not a Joker smile, goes into an office building, and he's referred to as Winslow Heath. The doorman and the security guard have a discussion of whether he looks pretty sick because of various different ideas. Oh, well, it was because he was on a drinking binge. Oh, it was because um, his hound eat his face. Needless to say, none of those are the case. After that, we find out that this Winslow Heath is actually the real Joker. There's a body that was taken to the morgue, and it turns out that the body was Winslow Heath, but he's not dead. He's just in a deep Joker, you know, Joker- Toxin coma, I guess you could call it. So we find out that the Joker is in fact actually pulling the strings for everything Um, And they have been he's been having the doctor You know, he's been having a doctor who works at the company that Winslow Heath works at create enough Joker juice For every single person in Gotham City and uh, that's pretty much where we leave it.
0: Don't you just love it when he gives them to your gift wrap?
1: And that will take us now into Batman Confidential Number 48 slash Batman and Superman Confidential 48, as the uh, cover page would let you to believe. This is the final issue in the whole Batman and Superman take on the undead saga that's been going on the past couple of months, so get ready for some wackiness. Where we last left, the Cape Crusader, he he had been led to believe that his eyes and mouth were sewn shut in an attempt to zombify him and make him an undead soldier for Professor Combs, who's just a nuts. But, as we soon find out, that's not exactly the case. What we're led to believe is that the poisonous snake that bit him the last issue thought he was like that, but apparently Batman is hallucinating and he's, he's quite fine. Once he's realizing what's going on, he's being attacked by a lot of the undead soldiers, and all hell breaks loose at this point. Superman flies in, and though he tries his best to subdue them, Weakness to his vulnerability to magic kind of hinders him, as he can't really do much damage to the evil tribe. He tries to blow like some fire, but that doesn't that doesn't seem to work. But as he and Demeter, the vampire, they've been rolling with the last few issues, are saying, "We we need to group and come up with a plan." Batman's just completely—he's not lost his mind, but he's he's sort of like angry now, and like all these guys are trying to get up. All these guys are dogpiling him and everything, and Batman's like, "Get off of me, dude!" And it's just. He's just, he just had, had it by this time. McCullens and his group make their escape and Batman's just very frustrated. They cut to, meanwhile, wherever that is, and Demeter calls upon the help of a friend named Sister Gen- Geneva, who is like this, this, um, how do I say, this sort of like, gypsy-esque, Swanee, New Orleans type of woman who knows a lot of magic spells, and she, some, some, somehow she knows exactly what's going on and agrees to help once they come up, come up to ask her for her help. So they they inductor into their plan. While well, Batman kind of talks to the uh, werewolf and they kind of relate the- they kind of relate the madness that they just went through. Is this is sort of having an effect on Batman's realities. Not that he can't see anything straight, but he's sort of like taking aback back at what he's just experienced. Later that night, Professor Combs' zombie group and his and his slaves take apart a mummy and help to turn that mummy as well as Demeter's sister slash girlfriend. Uh, live into one of his army Army of the night. While well, they try to perform spells on the, on the mummy and set it on fire, and they think that this worked, it actually turns out to be Superman! And this is what Dr. Fate meant a couple of issues ago when it said that Superman had to be one with the dead. Combs' group falls apart pretty quickly as Batman and the group just, just lay into them, and Sister Geneva comes along and per- performs some spells on, on her own to counter Combs' spells. But not everything is not everything is all fine and dandy as Liv starts to turn herself into her vampire persona and attacks her captors, you know, slashing them and nearly killing them. Demeter tries to stop her and says he apologizes for getting her involved, but she, enraged by this whole experience, just flees and runs away. Superman takes Holmes into custody and while he is unable to stop some more of the some more of the magical effects, he is able to have it end by blowing away combs with his super freeze breath. Everything is done, and even the werewolf, who has been tortured this entire arc, has been made back into human thanks to Sister Geneva and her spells. Superman offers to give Batman a ride back to Gotham, but B- Batman says that in the part of the world they are in now, there there's, just happens to be a Wade Foundation Center that he'll probably get you right with. As Superman and the rest flee, or should I say, leave the area, Batman is left to wander, ponder, what he's just been going through, and wonders if he'll ever regain his normal sense of reality. The End.
2: Good heads you live. Bad heads you don't. Simple, huh?
3: All right, and that's going to take us to Batman number 702, written by Grant Morrison and with art by Tony oh. Daniel. We pretty much pick off right where we left off in the last issue, where uh, Superman is explaining the situation to the Justice League about what a new god is, how exactly a new god could be killed, and who must have done it. Um, It must have been the evil gods. So we see Batman uh, take the bullet, do a little bit of research on the bullet and find out that the bullet in fact pretty much kill anybody. It has it's basically a blueprint for every single bullet there's ever been. It has the essence of death inside of it. So coincidentally enough this entire time we also see flashbacks of Thomas and Martha Wayne's murder. We see Superman tell Batman, you know, I hate to tell you this guy, but uh, I got to go to the Daily Planet because I got to keep up my identity. Even the Mm -hmm. world could be, you know, coming to a conclusion sometime in the near future. I got to go make sure I keep up my identity. With NC, Batman in the halls of justice comes across Kraken who was monitoring Green Lantern's Hal Jordan's body since Hell Jordan was accused of the murder of Orion. Because of this, Batman realizes that Kraken must have been involved in the death because it's not who it seems to be, so Batman shouts black alert, she starts trying to take him out, gives him some fear gas in the form of different, I don't know, it's some form of Power with the Green Lanterns. In turn, Batman basically takes takes his stuff, and it's like uh, Joker Venom, Fear Gas, and Dr. Hurt's Smile wrapped in one. He came and standing. He ends up throwing up himself. At this point, he blacks out, and when he wakes up, we're 25 days to Omega, and he's in the chamber where they are making the clone of him. At some point... He figures out a way to escape, and as he's escaping, he sees a gun. He grabs the gun and his utility belt and and leaves. He goes down a tunnel, and eventually he comes across Darkseid, who looks like he's had better days himself. Um, Not to mention, I mean, Batman looks like he's had better days, too. And Batman explains to him that, uh, you know, I don't use firearms, but I'm going to make an exception for you. We see that, you know, basically the same scene we saw from Final Crisis, including flashbacks as well from when Bruce was, was younger. From there, Batman shoots him, and Dark Side Omega sanctions him, and we see Batman in a lot of pain seeing the flashback. We then see a number of different things. We see the Barbados things from Batman and Robin. We then see the uh, makeshift funeral that we saw in What Happened to the Cape Crusader. A number of different things occur. And then we cut back to the Time Masters talking about this event. And they're talking with Red Robin. We then see... the funeral that took place where the coffin was being carried, we see him, his gravestone, and then we start to see everything that we saw earlier, with him going back from the past, him going back to the past, and we see like almost a splitting image of the scene from Batman Return of the Bruce Wayne number one. He was a caveman, and we see the scene where we saw it originally in Final Crisis number seven, then we saw it again in Batman Return of Bruce Wayne number one. With the uh, older cavemen drawing symbols on the wall. From there, we get another scene that's reminiscent of Batman Return Bruce Wayne number one, and it says to be continued in Return Bruce Wayne number six and Batman Robin number sixteen.
4: That's right, pigs, and here's the paddle.
2: Gotham City Sirens issue 15 when we last left the girls Poison Ivy started a job at Star Labs under an alias and a plant thing from outer space came and turned Poison Ivy more plant so she was gonna take over the world and turn it absolutely green yeah that happens all the time when you start a new job Catwoman and Harley Quinn obviously do not want Poison Ivy turning the whole planet green so they're trying to follow Poison Ivy and this alien plant guy that has her brainwashed through uh, Robinson Park which is now extended all over Gotham City and they're using some flamethrowers and other things to kill some plants to get Poison Ivy in the guy's attention. Poison Ivy can sense that somebody's killing her babies, but she gets romantic with the alien guy anyway but then she wonders if uh, when the queen of his people come to Earth the queen of the plant people come will Poison Ivy be gotten rid of because she's part plant, part human you know, a little bit of a hybrid I was like, no, of course not, kiss me and then she's like, yes, but these dying plants spoiling the mood so we get the fight with harley ivy and catwoman and the plant guy and it's the usual brainwashed ally fighting the regular allies don't you remember it's us it's your friends i'm not your friends complete with harley quinn doing the obligatory remember when we first met remember this remember how we felt and it actually looks like it's getting through the ivy but ivy says uh I'll make sure that there's fresh flowers on your grave, out of respect for our friendship. But then it actually went, did get through the ivy. She was just faking. She winds up kissing the plant guy, poisoning him. He drops dead. Poison ivy switches back to her secret identity, Doctor Irving, and talks to the police. And apparently, the alien invasion has been averted. She's going to continue at Star Labs with her assistant, and there's going to be more crazy shenanigans. We are told that next will feature the return of Talia Al Ghul. <coughs> Grundy not feel good. Grundy gonna feel a lot worse. Superman Batman 75, and it's a super size special according to the cover. Written by half of the staff of the DC Comics offices, and drawn by half of the staff at the DC Comics offices. Strap yourselves in, because the A-plot is a doozy. You may get lost listening to my recap, because hey, I got lost reading it. So... It's the future, the Legionnaire, there's an evil Lex Luthor, he's fighting the Legion, okay, he goes back in time to fight Superman, but in the middle of fighting him, looks like Superman's about to gain the upper hand, but oh, we don't see the rest of the fight, because Batman's in the Batcave, and oh look, one of the people from the Legion, Dawnstar, she just brought in Superman, because apparently he lost that battle... But we don't find out where the Luther from the future went. We don't find out how Superman lost the battle. It's just we see him in the middle of the battle. Then he's being carried to the Batcave. So now Batman is uh, sneaking into LexCorp. And oh, he's got uh, Shrinking Violets in his pocket. And they're stealing something that's important to the plot. And it's going to help Superman. And Batman doesn't trust Brainiac 5 because he descendant of a Brainiac. So Superman wakes up. And then the Legion goes back in time to the Lex from the past fighting Superboy. And they help Superboy but superboy gets knocked out and they're like well he's going to forget this anyway and then the luther clone dies and they go back to the future so yeah confusing story then we get some backup some awesome some pointless some are just one page long i mean there's a two page backup that could have been four panels where it's just two fanboys at a convention that are little kids attacking different cosplayers including a catwoman and then there's a random splash page of Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, and Supergirl uh, from Earth-1 pre-crisis, and it's just pictures of them. And then we have a <laughs> double-page story where it's Connor saying to Clark, hey, so uh, Tim K. Cassie. how do you feel about that? And then... Tim telling Dick, hey, I kiss Cassie, should I tell Connor? And then at the end, everyone decides not to do anything about it. We got some pinups, and then there's a little story of, you know, the mini Batman and mini Superman from that arc a while back where little Batman's crying because Superman's dead, and then Robin says, he's not dead, and then Superman says, yeah, I'm not dead, and that's the end, because that was literally pointless ace the bat hound and crypto there's a joker and lex story by brian azarello done in the style of calvin and Hobbes, which has actually been very popular among the internet and then we have damien talking to an age connor kent they're both in the future at uh bruce and clark's grave And again, it was a brief thing. And then we have a dad and his son saying, There are supervillains under my bed. Hey, dad, remember the time when we pretended to be Aquaman and we pretended to fight Mr. Freeze? That was pretty cool. That was a one-page story. Pretty confusing story. Some of the stuff was good. Some of it was bad.
3: All right, so that's going to wrap up all our comics. Uh, We're going to run through our review wrap-up real quick. Red Hood Lost Days.
1: Red Hood Lost Days. Um, Well... (laughs) It was it was it was okay. Judd Wayne continues to really really try to tell Phantom that Jason Todd is a great character, and I do. What I really liked about this was his reaction to Tim learning that Tim Drake is not Robin, or learning that Batman at least had made another Robin. That so was that was the one that the one I took away from this part. I'm not really interested in Jason running around killing people, talking about guns and mafioso and explosives and all that. That kind of seems like it's just padding. I mean. We kind of got, this is, the, this is the thing, we kind of got all this, we kind of assumed all this after the annual, after the Batman 25 annual, so it's just like putting down the exact nitty gritty details of something that I don't think we need, so. It's not a bad comic book, but I still find this whole miniseries to be relatively unnecessary, so I'll give this a 3 out of 5 Batarangs.
3: I'm starting to see this series. Well, I, well I'm not starting. I don't know why I would say starting. The, the last couple issues were kind of questionable. It's 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 almost as if well, what were they trying to get across here? Because I'm not really seeing the point. I don't think this needed to be six issue a six issue miniseries. I mean, I, obviously, that's what I think now after going through four issues, but. I think that's not going to change once all six issues are out. I don't think that's going to change at all. With that being said, the last two issues really sucked, but this one was a step up, so I'm going to give it uh, two and a half out of five betterings.
0: This whole miniseries to me seems like it's damage control for Judd Winnick. I think people still question why they brought him back in Under the Hood storyline from quite a few years ago, and that storyline was good, and Judd Winnick presented us with a good characterization of Jason Todd. I mean there's no doubt that I don't that Jason Todd is not a good character. He is. It just it seems like nobody even Winnick now knows what to do with him and it seems like when this is Winnick's attempt to kind of redeem himself for bringing Todd back and the story this story you know with Jason throughout this series trying to learn martial arts and he's sharpening up on his detective skills in much of the way that Bruce did. There's a big difference, though. Bruce learned those things from professionals and people who were masters at those crafts. Jason Todd is learning this stuff from lowlifes and he just ends up killing them eventually anyway. This series is like reinforcing the idea that Jason Todd is the new Punisher of the DC Universe and that just doesn't work for me. I think that Jeremy Hahn's artwork is really solid in this issue. You get like a, almost a noir style to it. It doesn't save this issue, and this series continues to go downhill for me, and I give this 2 out of 5 Batarangs.
3: So that is going to give Red Hood Lost Days number 4, 2.5 out of 5 Batarangs. Batman and Robin number 14. Oh boy,
0: <laughs> this issue was absolutely Fantastic. This is by far the darkest and grimmest issue that Morrison has written during, I think, any of his his any of his tenure on any of the Bat books. Uh, it was extremely intense, and just when you thought things for Dick could get Dick and Damon could get any worse, they did. Uh, I thought the reversal with who's con- who has control in the beginning was perfectly executed. I mean, this this issue is really Grant Morrison. I think. At his best, and this was better than 13. The narrative here is fast-paced, but it's perfectly placed, and the plot here is actually—it's pretty clear. And I think Doctor Hurt and Professor Pig continue to present a real threat, and we know why they're such great villains. They're so incredibly eerie and creepy, especially Pig with that scene where he's hanging upside down in a barbed wire swing. <laughs> and what I can say about Fraser Irving is he is—he is perfect for this storyline. His his Joker. ...is one of the best I think I've ever seen. He captures Morrison's atmosphere, I think, perfectly. And his artwork is real clean, and it's it's really great to look at. But it's equally disturbing, I think. And it just works really well with the story. And I love the way he uses colors. You know, Tony Daniel works well with Morrison. And I think Morrison is bringing out the best in Irving as well. But this was a great issue. There's a great cliffhanger at the end. And, and, and even though we know that Batman and Robin are going to make it out of this all right, um, there is, like, this sense at the end of this issue that there's some real danger here. I don't think a lot of issues present that anymore with us, but this is a great issue, 5 out of 5 batterings.
3: All right, so Batman Robin number 14, I thought this was a great issue. I I, I liked how it tied in some things from the past as well as the future. No complaints about the art. I don't really have much more than what Zach already said because it really was that good. I will give it 4 out of 5 batterings.
1: Bnr number fourteen. Oh man, this, this was excellent. I, I I thought I agree. I thought this was better than the last one, uh, the previous issue thirteen, and I thought that was great as well. I honestly think that this series is so so well done, and even especially like in this day and age of comic books, where a lot of things have been like uh, go through the test of time and everything, and some things kind of feel stale or whatever. This manages to be a very exciting, very intense engaging storyline and you know as much as as much as crazy new things Scrim Morrison likes to do is still very much kind of like a, a good old com- uh traditional comic book you know with, with good and evil but it's done the execution is so wonderful that i really can't say much more about it besides just completely gushing. The art was excellent. I love the detail in Joker's face. I love, <laughs> I love the Frozen smiling Damian. That was great. I loved. Uh, I love the threat of um, Batman taking on all, all these all these zombies, not zombies really, but like, you know, these minions and then him getting tricked at the very end. It's very, I agree that it's very full of tension and, you know, you feel that this, this won't end well, even if it does, you know, it'll end in a price and i feel that this is just this is everything i want a batman comic book to be you know weird psychological dangerous dark but at the same time not not so not not ugly or not so much of any other things it, everything bounces each other out i like the fact that um um this is like is this the first time that dick has used his as sticks as batman because i thought that was really awesome you know dick's like all right enough fooling around i'm gonna I know one would take care of these guys and he just pops them out and starts beating people with it. I thought that was really great. So, yeah, five out of five. I really, I, I love this issue. All
3: right, and that's going to give Batman Robin number 14 five out of five Batarangs. <laughs> this is Hypha Comics number 868. This completely opposite, this takes a completely opposite turn from Batman Robin number 14. This <laughs> was, uh, I, I, I don't even know what to say about it. I, I get I get the concept of what they were trying to do, and the fact that it was revealed that the Joker's actually doing this entire plot to begin with is kind of interesting. Scott McDaniel is one of my favorite artists, but this is utter crap, and it's really starting to make me think twice about whether or not he's one of my favorite artists. Um, I don't know if it's just because he was rushed, but I don't think he was, or he should have been at least, because he had plenty of time because they announced this a while back, that this was that he was gonna be doing these issues. It just seems it's his art style, but it's like very sloppy. It's not clean as it normally is with him. I'm just not really finding this story interesting. I I feel like David Hines taking like bits and pieces from previous incarnations of Batman and using it in this story. The fact that we have jokers similar to what we had in Batman Beyond not the same but similar we have an impo- we have impostor batman similar to the dark knight i i just feel like there's not really a, a story worth telling here so i can only give this 2 out of 5 batterings
0: i think scott mcdaniel this is definitely not his top-notch work i would definitely agree with that but i do think he gets the reader a lot more involved in the panels and makes this issue more exciting however there isn't really a lot going on here to get you excited with to begin with Um, One of my major issues was that I believe this is probably Dick. It isn't made clear if this is Dick or Bruce. And the whole moment where Batman injects himself with the Joker venom is something to me that if this was Bruce, this would be a major red flag because Bruce to me is far too disciplined to ever do that to himself. Um, I don't think he would need to. He would already know what to do before he would ever have to inject himself with that Joker venom. I respect David Hine. I think he has brought some quality stories to the bat verse the last year but this whole arc isn't hasn't been very good and while i like daniel to an extent i don't think that he would have he was an artist that could complement hind very well on this storyline because this is a darker tone story and it's mcdaniel's art is so like vibrant it's so it's loud and it doesn't really complement what Hine's trying to do here, but the art is good, and but the story is not so much. So I'll give this two out of five batterings.
1: I actually kind of like this story. Um, it's a very, it's it's interesting and it's not because it's something that you kind of want to see have already happened. Maybe it already has happened with with a, a gang of Batman's and Joker's warring across Gotham City. I think it's interesting. But I think that that's all that it is. It's just, it's interesting. I don't think it's very engaging. I don't think it's very exciting. Uh, Batman testing like the Joker venom on himself. That I don't care who, which if that was Bruce Wayne or Dick Grayson. I think that was just like really dumb because they didn't really set that, set that up for something for him to do because Gordon says, "Why would they? Why would anyone do this? It's basically a drunk. Why would anybody put this filth in their own bodies of their own free will? Why would anybody want to do this?" Cut to Batman saying, "I need to know how this feels. I mean." By that logic, he would do the same thing with cocaine or heroin or PCP, and it's off. Like, it's it's no, it's nothing more than a drug. Yeah, it's it's like the steroid, but it's still a drug. And if they wanted to go by the criminologist aspect of Batman's persona, he could easily, you know, just just read it from on some psychology it was like he has in the past, testing a drug out on himself. I mean, yeah, he did that in Venom back at the start of his career, and that was Bruce Wayne. So I thought that that was a really that was a red flag in general towards the story. I mean as it stands, I think this is this is alright. I don't think this is necessarily a bad story, but it could be it could be a lot better, and it's, it's just meandering right now, so I'll give this two and a half out of five batterings.
3: Alright, and then on the website, Dane reviewed Detective Comics 868, and he gave it one out of five batterings. So that's gonna give Detective Comics number 868 two out of five batterings. <laughs> Moving into our next book, we have Gotham City Sirens, number 15. You know, it's, it's, it's to the point where, okay, Paul Dini's no longer on the book, <gasps> but, you know, at the same time, despite the fact that Paul Dini isn't on the book, it doesn't really make a difference. Uh, I mean, well, I say that with the, 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 the meaning of, well, the book, Paul, this was Paul Dini's baby originally nobody's going to deny that. It, this was one of the two books that he was supposed to be on, because for whatever reason, he is consistently late with the book or something, so they constantly get other people to on the book to write, and the the person they've decided on is Tony Bedard for now, although I, I noticed with the future solicitations, that's not going to be the case. I, he's not going to be the permanent writer on the book. I think he just jumped on to like take care of a couple things. Um, we also had a different artists as well. And to me, it's almost as if someone decided, hey, you know, Dini's been doing his thing. We're going to keep the concept but change everything else. Because that's that's pretty much what it's turning, turning into, it seems like. This issue, it, you know, you read the Paul Dini issue, f- the last Paul Dini issue, and you read this issue, and you think, wow, look at the complete difference between the two books. That doesn't mean it's good. Trust me. Uh, I'm not saying that as uh, oh wow, this is so much better than Paul Dini. It's just it's a different kind of writing that we didn't have before. Um, the art is a lot more detailed, in my opinion, uh, more so than we than we got with Gillian March. But uh, yeah, I don't really have anything great to say about this, uh, so I'm only gonna give this one two out of five batterings too.
0: We talk about sometimes on this show about at DC how guys like Jeff Johns and Grant Morrison seem to get to do whatever they want. I guess Paul Dini in some way has earned that status, I suppose, with Batman, but it seems like it's from the point he gets to do whatever he doesn't want to do anymore. (laughs) it's and it's starting to frustrate me not frustrate me not because i've particularly enjoyed what paul dini has done in the last year but it seems like you know what is he doing right now that is keeping him so busy from writing an issue of gotham city sirens you know it's that that is starting to, it seems like he's taking advantage of the situation in my opinion and that is bothering me having said that people who usually listen to the show too know that i'm not a big fan of this series and I'm not saying that it's this particular issue that has made me reconsider my mind about how I review this. This book is intended to be fun. It's a lighthearted story, and it's supposed to be fast, and there's not supposed to be any real dense weight to this. And that's exactly what this issue is. Um, there's trying to be, yeah. Uh, I don't know, though. I don't know how – Tony Bernard, you know, when he first started writing on this, I – didn't think he initially I didn't see that he knew how knew these characters. And I think in this issue he showed me that he kind of has an idea of how each one of these girls are. Catwoman is the most heroic of the three. Carly is gullible and she'll follow whichever one, and she follows Catwoman, but at the same time I Ivy's her friend and she doesn't really wanna you know go against her and then Ivy is obviously the worst she's the true villain of the three the dialogue is is fun at times and it showed me that Tony Berard, um, can work on this book I think and maybe I'm just saying this because I really like to stick up for Tony Bedard for some reason now saying all that the art is more detailed I think it is better than gillian march but gillian march isn't one of my favorites but it's it, it's okay it it does what it's intended to do and it doesn't attract it detract you from the story this book is a we have to remember that this is a lower tier level dc book and so you can't really compare this to batman or batman and robin it's it's on its own level it's its own thing and so for that this wasn't half bad this was okay to me so i'll give this three out of five batterings.
1: Like like you're saying, the only thing this book kind of guarantees in, in its existence is that Batman probably might not be going up against Catwoman, Harley Quinn, or Poison Ivy, for the most part. I mean, this is not a book I, I I went out to get immediately. I I meant to I meant to pick this up sooner than I did, uh, mainly because Paul Dini was writing it, and Paul Dini loves writing Harley and Ivy as characters. But, I mean, since it's—and and I figure that, you know, especially after his tech room with that, with that Poison Ivy story and that Harley story, would, we'll would be seeing a lot of really great interactions between those characters. But now that we've gone through this whole joke that actually Paul Dini's not on this book anymore, doing Satana, a character he loves even more, it, 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 this book's really can become kind of pointless to me. I mean, I don't think Poison Ivy would ever really—even if she was head over heels in love with somebody, I fall in the opinion that I think even Bruce Tim and Paul Dini said in one of the animated commentaries— Amy series is that she's a total narcissist and she would probably like she says oh will your queen be there to give me a reward I, I think she would try to take advantage of the situation for her own benefit like as good of a person as she probably can be to the most of her heart she's still I think a villain and I don't like it in these in these in these issues where they try to like make oh well she's with you know these girls and they're not really villains right now so she's not really a villain either I mean we, we okay she, she doesn't have to try to over the world every issue but I think doing noble things has to have something towards her than just her independence and i felt that this book really tried to take away the fact that she's she's a villain i mean she's a super villain she's insane and that's a problem i've been having with a lot of the issues so far so that was my main problem with this and it kind of took me out of the story i thought art was, was decent at, at absolute best nothing really spectacular yeah i'll, I'll give it a two out of five betterings.
2: I'm going to give this two and a half out of five batterings. this story. Well, there's some holes. First of all, if this plant guy was defeated, what's to stop his queen from coming like he said anyway? Or a whole nother race of plant people. And after the Blackest Night stuff, where, the, where some of the girls were brainwashed and fighting Catwoman, and Harley, what are you doing? Don't you see it's me? It's, I mean, another brainwashed fight. Don't you see it's really me, Poison Ivy? Just it is a little too soon. The action sequences were nice though I mean this was a quick, you know, nice fun read, but this is a plot that went on too long because Deany started it, and then it looked like they were waiting for Deeny to come back, and then the whole plot about Poison Ivy gaining the job at Star Labs just turned into this weird alien invasion thing. So I'm gonna give it two and a half out of five batterings.
3: Alright, so that's gonna give Gotham City Sirens number fifteen, two out of five batterings. Batman confidential number
1: forty eight. Uh yeah (laughs) This, this one felt like a, like an out-of-time kind of comic book. I think I may have said this in the previous issues, but, like, with Tom Mandrake and Batman and Superman fighting zombies and vampires and werewolves and stuff like that, what the heck? <laughs> it's just... It, this is a comic book I think that people will think of when they think of comic books who don't read it, you know? Superheroes fighting zany things with very little explanation. I mean, there's, there's explanation, but it's not very... It's not very nuanced, and it's not a bad story, but it really is not a good story, I don't think. It's just, it's not, it's, it's just very pat. Very, it feels like a 70s comic book where they would move from one area to another, an action sequence would happen, some exposition would happen, and the characters are pretty much the very same as, as the issue ends. And it doesn't feel like a book that, that, A, should be in a Batman series of titles, And B, shouldn't be in Superman series titles, because Superman just shows up, oh, I hope you fight these zombies, and then he just shows up, and then leaves. I know that this is supposed to be out of continuity, and that's that's fair game, but I think that they could have, even still, done a much better job just in terms of writing. Not to say it was was horrible or anything, but it just wasn't, there's no um, spark to this, really. The art was okay, but um, overall the story is just an average story that probably shouldn't be in this kind of time period, I think. So I'll give this 2.5 out
3: of 5 Batarangs. I don't like vampires and werewolves or zombies. Really not a fan of team of Kevin Van Hook and Tom Mandrake. Not really even a fan of them not teaming up together. I'm not really a fan of their work individually. This story is pretty much proof of why I don't like that. I have nothing else to say other than 1 out of 5 Batarangs.
0: Contrary to Dustin, I love vampires, I love werewolves, and I love zombies. But I don't like this. <laughs> um, Great opening I like Tom Mandrake I thought his style worked well with this kind of story And he's kind of to me What kept the storyline worth exploring I think his inks and colors For some reason really stand out to me uh, Kevin Van Hook is one of those writers Who you always want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt But he never proves to you That he really knows what he's doing He always struggles to find to find That solid plot And that's where this issue falters. The issue's ending is way too easy to me it's like, okay, you know, you know how it's going to end. It's just, I just hate those endings where, you know, okay, well, they've saved the day, Batman gets to go fight the good fight again, and that's it. And f- for fans who like the horror and supernatural elements that they bring into Batman stories sometimes, I don't know if they really can enjoy this. Um, and that's why this issue really crashed. This whole storyline crashed. I-, I don't know what the- where the promise was at the beginning. One out of five batterings.
3: Alright, so that's gonna get Batman Confidential one out of five batterings. Batman number 702. Now, this was actually pretty interesting. The first issue kind of made me think to myself, well, what, what happened with this? There's a lot of bits and pieces in the first one, but I gotta say this one was really, really good. It connected so many different elements from Final Crisis, from Batman and Robin, from Batman Return Bruce Wayne, from Batman the, the monthly series. It did a really he, Grant Morrison did a really good job at connecting all of these little details tied all together. Now, that being said, these things could have been easily tied to, you know, if this story was told before, it would just been you know it would have been foreshadowing what's to come in the future. Having all of these events already happen, I guess it gives it a little bit less uh, legitimacy in the fact that, well, he could just pull from different things that have happened in other books. But at the same time, the fact that he did, and he connected so many of the different stories that he's been telling through all these different series that he's been writing, I thought was excellent. Tony Daniel's art was good. That I honestly had no real super big complaints. Other than that, I mean, this was this was overall a really decent issue. Four out of five batterings. This
0: whole returning to RIP chapter for me was. I was a little skeptical as well about them doing this, but when I. Particularly this issue, which I also thought was really good. I look at this this return as a way to kind of refresh, to help us re- catch up, remember things again, so that we're prepared when stuff happens, and we don't have to go back and reread Final Crisis or go back and look at something and go, "What the hell's going on?" This kind of re- helped reminded us, and it explained things to a, a greater extent that actually helps. R I t it made RIP almost very rewarding, uh, much more rewarding than it already was. Um, I think when Tony Daniel works with Morrison, I've said this about other artists and I say it about him, his artwork to me changes 360 degrees. When these two guys team up, I think Daniel is one of the strongest Batman artists on the books right now. And it's unfortunate that for some reason I don't see that, that excitement with his own scripts. I don't, I don't know. There's something missing when he writes his own issues. I liked the whole Final Crisis from Batman's point of view. Um, this was a really solid issue. So for me, 4 out of 5 Bannerings.
1: I like this issue fine, don't get me wrong, There were, I, I liked it less than I did 701, I, I love 701, I think mainly because it had more to do with R.I.P. than, and this has more to do with Final Crisis, and I liked R.I.P. than Final Crisis, but um, I think that uh, the one thing I, I gotta say that I didn't, it, was, it wasn't like it was anything wrong, but I personally didn't care for was how he was showing how Batman was really afraid and intimidated. By a lot of what was going on during Final Crisis with the death of the New Gods and Darkseid and these things, he's not used to. If you want to show Batman as, as more of a uh, a down to earth person in terms of you know what it's to go up against, that's perfectly fine. But I feel that in this in this day and age in 2010, I think Batman's kind of past that point where things intimidate him as much. I mean, I understand that the earth, the world was about to end, but he's been there before. You know, Zero Hour. Um, he remembers a Crisis, Infinite Crisis. I mean, he's, he's kind of dealt with those kind of aspects before. So I think that it was a little disconcerting to see Grant try to write him as being so intimidated. Like like in the last issue, he said, you know, the, pe- the people who, who roll with gods want to, want to talk to him or whatever. And you see more and more and more of that in this issue. So that was the one thing that I really didn't care for. But it was still a good issue. I mean, I liked um, I liked uh, the Final Crisis from his perspective. And really, this is kind of like, this kind of invalidates Return of Bruce uh, Bruce, Well, I I shouldn't say that, but it really does explain why Bruce Wayne is not here. <laughs> it, it explains why wh- what happened to him, um, you know, where he's been, how he survived, and it kind of just watching from from reading this, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's how it happened. So let's get him back. And so it's, I assume that Return of Bruce Wayne will have him literally come back to the the real uh reality, at, in the last issue. But uh, this one kind of explained the bulk of that and kind of almost made me. Feel that the rest of the ones were invalidated, but this was still fun. The artwork. I agree that with with, with uh, Grant Morrison, Tony Daniel gets a lot more creative. Um, there are some instances I think that he's become a little too. He draws the characters a little too thick. With, with Batman and especially Superman, these guys look really, really meaty. Especially Superman on that front page, he looks he looks like a like like a meathead or something. I don't know, but like he looks really, really thick. And I feel that Tony Daniel either tried too hard or. I've seen better work from him, and you know, in other Batman stories. But the art was pretty good. Um, the story was pretty good. So yeah, I'll I'll agree and give this a four out of five batterings.
3: Right, and Dane on the website gave it five out of five batterings. So that's going to give Batman number seven hundred two four out of five batterings. All right. So moving into our last book, we have Superman Batman number seventy five. I thought this overall was a. a really good. I think overall, I think it was a really good anniversary issue. I'm not real sure why 75 is now an anniversary, except for the idea that, oh wait, it's 75th anniversary of DC Comics, but since when do we celebrate 75 issues? Do we celebrate 25 issues? No. Most times they don't even celebrate 50 issues, so why are we celebrating 75 issues? It's
0: really just kind of stupid to me. I think they're as shocked as we are that it got that far. Yeah, uh, that's
3: possible. Yeah. It had some for the first 25, and I don't know how it's managed to make another 50, but with that being said, the, the number of different stories, the number of different creators that they had working on this project I think were great. really didn't have any complaints about it. I don't understand what the obsession with having the Legion of Superheroes and everything is right now. I, I get that that's Paul Levitt's thing, and he was writing the story, but... Or the main he was writing the main story, but at the same time, I just don't really get it. I don't I I mean I really didn't think the Legion of Superheroes was really that popular where people were always like, Oh yeah, I want more legions of superheroes. Oh, I, I I'm sorry, I just don't see that. But I could be wrong. I'm gonna give this one just a, a middle range three out of five bad ranks.
0: Great cover by Frank Quietly. And I thought that this was a really good anniversary issue. It was fun there were some nice little heartwarming stories in there. Um, I liked the main storyline with Levitz and Ordway. And I like the Legion bring, being brought in because I've read some of the Legion. I do like the, the – I have liked the Legion in the past. And, and that's something Levitz knows better than most writers because the Legion is such a, a difficult concept to, for a lot of writers to really grasp. And he, he did it he did it for close to 15 years uh off and on in the 70s and 80s so he does know them and that's that's why i do like the fact that he incorporates them from time to time not in every issue though they don't need to be in every issue now um i thought the stories especially by billy tucci david finch and the one with by peter tomasi and with gene haw those stories were just very sentimental and they kind of re- reflected and reinforced how we become fans of these characters and then w- why we love them i think all of the artwork in the book was just really good there was a really good collection of writers and artists here and i think it's issues like these you know we joke that we don't know how this has gotten to 75 issues but it's issues like these that keep this title going i think you know you only get one of these every so often around now but uh i thought this is a great story out of this title so i'd give that four out of five batterings.
1: This was a good issue. I think the art. I, I agree. The artwork all, all around was very solid. Jerry Orway's artwork. I love. I love reading that. That was just fun. Um, w- with his Superman and Batman, I see a lot of uh, Christopher Reeve and Michael Keaton, which eh, I don't really like that. But the way he drew it, um, I don't know. It, it it worked for me for the most part. I didn't. I don't dislike the Legion Superheroes. I don't know very much about about the about them that go beyond the basics. Besides, I knew that, I knew that Paul Levitz was a huge writer on them. And it's in the 80s. and But um, I I, I kind of question bringing them into uh, the Batman-Superman anniversary issue. Because when you're dealing with the Legion of Superheroes and, and Superman, it becomes more about Superman. And we've said before that this book is typically about Superman just starring Batman. So I feel that if you're going to bring the Legion of Superheroes into this kind of book, why not bring the Outsiders or something like that? But, I mean, the main story, while very confusing, was fun to read because of the art. I liked... Half, half of the, uh, the other stories afterwards and some of them I thought were pointless I thought the one at the convention was fairly pointless I thought the one with the writers at the beginning was very pointless but I loved the one that continued the, uh, the mini Batman and Superman because that issue I really I really enjoyed that two-parter but I hated the ending because I thought that it just completely took the fun out of the entire story and it, the message it had at the end fell flat. So I really, really love the fact that Superman kind of just wakes up and says, Oh, what does dead mean? So I, that just brought a huge smile to my face and it made me happy to become a fan. The rest is kind of pointless. But the artwork's good
2: all around, so I'm gonna give this a, a four out of five batarangs. I'm gonna give Superman Batman one out of five batarangs for the reasons that I explained in the recap. It was thrown together. A lot of the stuff was pointless. The A story was confusing. That Clark and Connor slash Tim and Dick thing about kissing Cassie that was pointless it went nowhere they're like hey should we do something about this nah let's just leave it that we talked about it out loud and then the backups like ace the bat hound is some of the backups could have been a few panels long and were just stretched out it was pointless i'm going to give it one out of five batterings.
3: all right so that's going to give superman batman number 75 four out of five batterings. all right so that's all of our reviews let's throw over to nick with Books for beginners
4: and welcome to batbooks for beginners i'm nick and if you're unfamiliar with this segment this is where i review a particular batman trade paperback or back issues and give my general review of it Today, I'm looking at Batman Blind Justice, which collects Detective Comics 598 through to 600. This was written by Sam Hamm, the screenwriter for Batman, the 1989 movie directed by Tim Burton, which you might have seen. The art was provided by the late Dick Giordano, who's worked on many Batman comics in the past and and an incredible amount of comics over the last 40, 50 years, and is a legendary artist in his own right. And these issues celebrated Detectives' 600th issue, obviously, and Batman's 50-year anniversary, so it's a pretty special event. I'd also like to make a quick statement about a few, about a change that I am making to the BBFB segment. Um, I've decided to get rid of the plot recap that I usually do, mostly because it uh, takes me quite a bit of time to do it, it's quite a bit of hard work, and it also takes a lot of time out of the BBFB segment. Um, So I decided to cut that out. Um, If you want it back, email me. If you're happy it's gone, email me. Just let me know what your feedback is to that. Do you like having the recap? Do you like remembering what happened in the story? Or would you rather I cut it out and went straight to my review? It's up to you. But for now, I'm leaving it out till I get some emails. Anyway, enough about that. Let's uh, get on with reviewing Batman Blind's Justice. So, Blind Justice. Quite a lengthy story, I have to say. It amounts to about 150 pages. as The first and the third issues in this story arc were 80-page giants. As well as there were, there were some filler pieces, arts and short essays from people commem- commemorating Batman's uh, anniversary. But the story itself was very, very lengthy. Now, in this story we get to see a lot of Bruce Wayne. Um, more so than we do batman but it's um i think it's compelling enough the bruce wayne stuff to keep you interested in how bruce is going to get out of the situation that he found himself in in this story Uh, there's some mind control which is involved as the main plot of the story and i'm going to admit it's a little bit silly it's okay in some bits not great in others kind of off-putting a little bit for me um, and then after we have an initial mind sort of transfer story, people controlling other people's bodies, the story becomes more of a court case before reverting to some more mind-control craziness. Um, we get to see a lot more of Wayne Tech, um, some sinister figures in Wayne Tech who are maybe perhaps trying to get make their own personal gain in the company. We do get to see a few flashbacks to Bruce's past whilst he's travelling and training uh around the world which includes seeing a few of his former mentors one of them was Henri Ducard um, who also appeared in the present storyline to do with the court case but there wasn't a lot to do with Bruce's background I've always found that a very interesting area and one that there's not been a lot done with it you see glimpses here and there here of what he's been up to but we've never seen it Um, I think it'd be a perfect chance for maybe a comic series although I'd rather stay away from that because I feel we've got far too many Batman comic series at the moment Um, maybe a TV show but something, there's so much time there that could be filled in and it's something where a lot of stories could really be very interesting and I kind of like Batman year one but Batman just his training I think it could be a very interesting story And I'm very, very surprised DC have never got round to really um, investing some time into that. So, but in Blind Justice, get to see a bit of it, very exciting, before you can really start to enjoy it. It's gone, which is a bit of a shame, but at least it was there. Um, There were some moments here with uh, Commissioner Gordon uh, between Bruce, which were quite interesting. And it starts to raise the question, does Gordon know that Bruce is Batman? Um, for instance, Bruce is in surgery in the story, the bat signal comes on, and Batman doesn't come for a while. And I really thought that Gordon, in his moments with Bruce, it felt like there was something there, as if he was trying to tell him something, that he knows what's going on, or at least suspects it. And, uh, you know, some of the greatest Batman stories out there have involved the Bruce Wayne persona more than Batman. And this certainly went down that route. And Gordon... Uh, to, tr- to really try and cement his suspicion, says that he's willing to testify for Bruce at, in his court hearing, hearing as a character witness. And um, you really do think these suspicions are starting to bloom with Gordon. The ending of the book was quite good. I was not expecting it. It had a bit of a shock. Um, I really enjoyed that. Felt like the stakes were quite high we had a female character introduced I can't remember her name she turns up at the start looking for her long lost adopted brother who she's never been able to find he, she believes he works at Wayne Tech, she gets to know Bruce obviously things happen, we get to see the brother blah blah blah, and then she just sits around, for literally two ep- two issues, she just sits there basically having a chat with uh, the brother, maybe there's some romance with Bruce, nothing ever happens because he's far too busy to think about it and before you know it, um, she's just sitting there the whole time and then something happens at the end and she's there for this big finale event. Just for her reaction, really, just so that she shouts at Bruce. That's pretty much the only point. And I thought it was pr- her, she her, herself, she was a very weak character. Just there, really, for those final few pages. Um, now, I don't like to have a go at Dick Giordano, uh, his art, but I must admit I thought this was quite weak um, I thought it was the artwork was pretty basic it didn't have much detail to the faces in particular and I just have to say it didn't really impress me which was a shame and over such a long story arc I found it a little frustrating it kind of spoiled the feel of what should have been a very good comic book and yeah, it didn't, didn't impress me really um, the introduction of Henri Ducard was very cool in this book and we got to, it was good to see he's not necessarily an ally to Bruce or Batman um of course you might know, might know we saw Henri Ducard kind of in Batman Begins so that was very cool to see again a bit of a flashback to Bruce's training it was nice to see that rather than offer up um an assortment of classic Batman villains as is usually used by writers in big Batman epics Nightfall or whatever um Sam Ham, the writer, decided to go a different route and give us some original villains. Like we had the Bone Crusher, not great, a little bit, a bit sort of like a prototype for Bane. And I just remembered us. I think I've mentioned that sort of thing before. So I think Bane was the the result of several similar characters. Um, and you know, introducing um, the evil doctor. Harbringer, although surely Bruce Wayne or Batman should have figured out that someone called Dr. Harbringer would turn out to be the Harbringer of Doom but he's clearly not that bright and people like Ducard, it was great to see them these original characters come in and they worked out fairly well, most of them um, so you know this is worth reading I think, especially for the introduction of Ducard but I was left feeling very underwhelmed by what could have been an excellent story with just a little bit more effort, um not quite to the level I was hoping for something as big as this. And the book seems to have been forgotten a bit by Batman fans and I can understand why because I got a little bit bored during the middle of this story. It's very long and there's some parts in the middle which are really a bit baggy and just shouldn't have been there. But there were some very good parts usually the parts involving Bruce Wayne um, and his court case. But the silly mind control plot which was over long and the poor art really didn't do much for me, so for Batman's 50th birthday, I really think it should have been a bit better. I'm going to be giving it 2 out of 5 Batarangs. Well, that was my review for Batman Blind Justice. Obviously, it wasn't the most impressive book for me. Next time, I'll be looking at Batman Birth of the Demon, where hopefully we should be learning a little bit more about Ra's al Ghul's origin story and uh, most of his, hopefully, a bit about his life before he met Batman. Um, So look forward to that next time. I'll also be putting on the Batman Universe forums the next batch of books that I'm going to be reviewing. So you can get ahead for the books I'm reviewing because it can be quite tough to keep up with me. But uh, that will be up there soon, so the next six to eight books. So you can uh, just keep an eye on what's coming up. That's all for now. If you have any questions, comments... Anything you'd like to ask me at all, please send an email to nick at thebatmanuniverse.net. Maybe you want the plots to come back. Maybe you're happy the plot recaps aren't continuing anymore. Let me know what you want to hear more of in this segment. Anyway, that's it for me. Now I'm going to send you back to the Batman Universe comic podcast. See you later.
1: save her alfred i don't think she wanted to be saved sir vengeance blackens the soul bruce i
4: always feared you would become that which you fought against you walk the edge of that is every night but you haven't fallen in and i thank heaven for that
3: all right so as far as what we will be covering next time on the podcast we'll be covering Batgirl number 14 batman number 703 Batman Odyssey number three, Red Robin number sixteen, Azrael number twelve, Batman Beyond number four, and Birds of Prey number five. So that's everything for this episode. I want to remind you to check out the website for all daily news. You can send us an email at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can join the forums and chat with other Bat fans. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin.
1: This is Zach. And this is Donovan. You've
3: been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Adios. solicitation he did read he did write the book he didn't write this issue did he no Tony. No, wrote why is the solicitation on their website still because
0: solicitations be.
3: are bull**** <laughs> on DC you can no but they go. they sometimes update them
0: yeah, Well, they got city <laughs> sirens isn't on the Okay.
3: <laughs>